motherfucking greatest. Yes, people. That is right. It's a special echo chamber coming at you. And um, today we look at a great film called Blonde Purple and talk to the director, Marcus Lemmings. So, shake that dirt off that shoulder and time to get with it, baby. Okay, people. So, let's get it popping with... Okay, people, so, yo, I love being surprised by films, people, as you know, right? And, man, just got surprised, just got really nicely surprised. So, yeah, the other day, got got sent information about this new film, Blonde Purple. And, you know what I mean, it's, it's one of them ones, right? It's a title that you're like, huh. I don't give anything away, right? Don't give anything away. So you're just like, oh, what is this film? It was a British film. Um, you know what I mean? Which you always want to support, right? And there's so many great British films that come out, but don't get the publicity. So it's just like, all right, let me give this a look, right? Let me give this a look. And, yo, as I said, I was really pleasantly surprised with it. So, it is from director Marcus Flemings, you know, who wrote it as well. You might recognize the name from Six Rounds or Palindrome, right? But, yo, Flemings is back. And, uh, yeah, this is just as good as those other features. So, he also produced the film, along with Haydar Zafar, um, Mary Patterson is the assistant producer, and AJ Aurora is an executive producer. The music is handled by Billy Jupe. Um, Zafar also handles the cinematography, right? Mike Pike, he edits the film. Andrew Davis, handles the casting. Zafar, you know, she, she's wearing as many hats as Fleming's on this. She takes care of the production design. Costume design is Hannah Hudge. Makeup is Rachel McDonald and Rose Redrup. You know what I mean? And yeah, there's a lot of other talented individuals behind this film. The Wizards handle the visual effects. And our cast. Well, I mean, this is an interesting one because our main two characters don't have names. <laughs> so let's just say our um yeah, let's just say our main characters, right? Our our dude is played by Julian Moore Cook, and our lass, the young lady, is played by Ellie. Birdman. Now, our dude's partner 
is played Nath, right? He's played by Adam J. Bernard. Um, oh man, who else do we have up in this? All right, so um, Nath has uh, a helper called Lisa. She is played by Jessica Moraine. Um, oh. Let's say our, our nameless man, right? He he has helped. Well, he's got a parole officer called Sadia. She's played by the very talented Jennifer Lee Moon. Um, we've got Adresta, who's played by Jess Rad Radomoska. Um, the bartender who um yeah. You're going to see this bartender. He's played by Joe Galina. Um, now, we've our, our main dude, right? We see him as a, a younger lad. Now, this younger version of him is played by David Nagra Odawa. We've got Ant, who's played by Richard Sandling. Uh, Stooley, who's played by Oliver Silver. Uh, um oh who else do we have that's right alan is played by daniel jordan um yeah gene jones is played by stella taylor jane perkins oh jane perkins is played by emily swain um dum. i mean that's that's pretty much it. Oh, got to give a shout out to um, our interrogation cop, who's played by Al Gregg. Right? Yeah, he, he definitely needs a shout out for sure. And the film itself, right? So the gist is an out of his depth, inexperienced criminal is stuck in a bank after a heist when wrong how will we get out right that's the question so yeah as you can imagine right so this has got elements of a bank heist to it and as i said look i was very much surprised right so i can't we, the film starts and we get this montage of images montage of images now think what spike lee did at the end of Black Handsman. That, that's the kind of thing that we get here. So how did I get it? I'm like, huh. I thought this was a heist. How, how does this play into things? What, what, what's happening here, right? And we open up and we've got this guy and he is losing it. He is losing it. There's a young girl and she's kind of a little worried little worried right and, and the guy yeah he's real just like uh out it seems out of his depth and you're like yo what the fuck is happening here what's happening here and it you, yeah it looks like everything has just gone insane everything has gone really insane and as the story unfolds right you 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 you're seeing okay so yeah the heist went pear shape heist pear shape now they're stuck in the office of the bank. He's got a hostage. 
and um, looks like it ain't gonna end well, right? The, 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 the this young girl, she's saying some stuff, he's losing it. There's an interrogation officer, a negotiator that's what it has been negotiator, right? Interrogation negotiator, and he ain't helping this situation. So you're like, huh, what? What's going to happen here, right? What's going to happen here? Because this film, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's, uh, yeah, yeah, like it's it's around two hours, but you're thinking, it looks like it's going to end any point soon, right? How are they going to flesh this out, right? Because everything seems to be taking place in this little office and look you can think of the amount of films that are done in a single location right we've seen it done not so well but then listen i've said it before right ryan reynolds was in that film buried which was excellent and main of the film we got reynolds in a coffin in the ground right but the film was so compelling last year we had Oxygen, a Netflix joint, right? And again, a girl, she's basically the whole film in a, um, oy, <laughs> a life preserved, a life preserved, a life um, raft tanky thing, right? I know there's a proper name for it. My mind is, I can't think of what the name is, but that's what she's in. You know what I mean? So we have this, and it's just like, all right, okay, huh? Well, this is intriguing. How's it gonna play out, right? And so we're watching all of this, and it's so like, huh, right? And then recently we had The Guilty, you know, the, the American adaptation of the Danish film with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, right, as the cop. Again, pretty much in one location, all very intriguing. So he done it done well, but how is Fleming's handling this, right? And then we get a flashback. We jump back 26 days, no, 26 weeks. Is it 26 weeks? Oh, God damn it, my memory. No, I think it's 26 days. 26 days before the heist. And I mean, right, the situation we see, we're just like, well, this seems sus, right? It doesn't seem a great situation. And what's our dude doing? What's he doing? Like, man, it looks like you have no cards. <laughs> so we're getting this backstory. The backstory is getting tripped to us throughout the film in these flashbacks, which are have great names. Like we've got the, um, the gun, right? And um, oh, the long story, right? So we have these names, these kind of chapter breaks, as it were, that flesh out these periods in time which are leading up to this heist, this botched heist. And yeah, they, they, like they're in 
order of occurrence, but it's not like this one leads into this one. They're different chunks of time that we're getting thrown back into. And it it gives you these threads, these interesting threads of the story. But it's not done in a haphazard way. God, I can't speak, people. It's not done in a haphazard way. Like everything that happens, it happens at this appropriate time in the story where our dude and lass, right? They're they're discussing, they're talking, they're beefing over certain things. And sometimes a question is poised, like, where was your plan, right? And we might get the flash, right? And so it it all fits together. It's, although, right, these sequences, as I said, look, they're they're not connecting in a, uh, you know, a clearly linear way. They, in the time frame, right, it all makes sense. And it makes sense for the story. But you're learning more and more as it goes on, we're getting a little bit more information into both of these characters, right? Because they both get them. And as this information is fed to us, right, your understanding on the situation is constantly changing. And of the characters, right? You you definitely start to emphasize, right? You start to emphasize, you feel you feel for them, right? Even though the situations might not be the smartest, they might not be great, but we're feeling for these characters and you're like, yo, damn, okay. All right, so this is going on. Oh man, how did you, oh, why would you? And oh man, it's so enjoyable. And all, all these flashbacks, they're so, fun and intriguing and there's so many layers because you you will at the beginning you will have a perception on where this might be going and every time we learn something new shit changes right shit changes and you are just like okay right now i think this might happen and then another change you're like yo what is going on i am baffled well i'm not baffled but i'm just baffled by these events by how this could happen right how could you let yourself be drawn into this craziness right so you're you're definitely feeling it you're feeling it and it's oh man it's really good it is really good because man so there's so many twists and turns that, that makes sense, right? We're not getting thrown here any uh, mac, deuce machinas, right? None of that's that crazy be like, wait, huh? Well, there was no reference to it. There's none of that. So, yeah, rest assured, people, but you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention to everything that's going down. And there is this, this, this racial tension going throughout the film that oh man it it really makes sense and then you understand the beginning montage right because this this thing there's these discussions about words and usage of words right that you're like oh 
yeah <laughs> okay yeah i get it i get it and you're like yes i'm really enjoying because we're seeing mindsets and everyone like you kind of think sometimes right we get one-dimensional characters with no depth which i don't really feel i need to say i think one-dimensional does uh you know basically you're saying no depth right so yeah but anyway <laughs> yeah, we're getting these characters and man you, you are you're getting this understanding from them right although certain things seem mad reckless right when the characters break down certain actions and mindsets you're like well yeah i could get behind that right i get behind that you know, and, and we see this manipulation and just, oh, it is compelling. It's real compelling, but you just don't know, right? You are kept guessing until the end and to the end. What an ending. What an ending. God damn it. Fleming's puts us through the motherfucking ringer here, people. Damn. Now, look, there have been films that end in a certain way, which have everyone talking, what the fuck? I think this is the next edition. <laughs> I think there's going to be a load of people with a lot of different interpretations on what the fuck went down. And that is great, right? This is one of those films that once it finishes, you are mulling this over, right? You're thinking, okay, all right, but all right, so no, that must have happened. Or man, yo, you if you just see how Omi fell into that trap, and ah, you know, yeah, it is, it is so good. And people, you will get to watch it. You will get to watch it from Tuesday the thirtieth of November, Tuesday the 30th of November, and it's coming to all your favorite VODs, you know, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, right, Xbox, all the VOD, just anywhere where you get films, right, you will find this there, and trust me, you will want to check out Blonde Purple, because within the film, you see these little nods to stuff. I feel there's nods to stuff, right? But it doesn't feel like anything you have seen before, right? doesn't feel like anything you've seen before. And we've seen some great heist films, right? But this, oh, this gives it this brand new flavor. And that is so compelling. It is so compelling that you get a story, right? That we have, you know, we've seen... A kind of similar stories, but not this story. Not this story. Flemings, he does a great job of keeping you gripped all the way through. The cinematography is great. Every scene has this uh, a fitting feel. There's no mood music, but the way the camera moves and zooms in on people and the focus, it lets you know what the fuck is going on who we should be following here, all of that, right? Ah, oh, it is great. And the acting, whew. now our nameless duo, 
they do such a great job. Because remember, it's just in a room. They're just in a room. And it's them talking a lot of the film. But, man, you grit. Because it's all about tone. It's all about delivery. You know, and, and we get that also from the, no, the hostage negotiator. Right? So it's all simmering. It's all building up. And then our other characters like Sadia... You know what I mean? And just Lisa and all these other people, they all have their very own distinctive voice, which is great. There's a lot of sarcasm in this film, but no one sounds the same, people. No one sounds the same. So everyone has delivered to the utmost. And you know what that means? It means we get a exceptional film. We get a great film, people. So, you know what I mean? <coughs> oh my gosh, excuse me, yeah, that means you need to mark down the 30th of November on your calendar and make sure you go check out Blonde Purple, and trust me people, you will not be disappointed, and um, I'm sure you will have this on repeat, you will be going back to this film, trust me, you will be going back to this film. You'll be telling all your peoples, you know, have you seen Blonde Purple? Well, you need to get your asses to see Blonde Purple, all right? So, 30th of November, people, do your thing and get a little crazy into your life, all right? Do it, people. Go! Okay, people, so I am here with Marcus Flemings, the writer and director of Blonde Purple. Yes. Marcus, thank you Hi. for stopping by. Really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me by. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no worries, <laughs> man. No worries. So, yeah, I, I've just finished watching the film. Mm -hmm. um, firstly, let me just, where did the title come from? Oh my god! Everyone's. I actually I posted the trailer on Reddit uh, about three weeks ago, and that was the question everyone had. Everyone was like, uh, "Great trailer, terrible film name, <laughs> great trailer," and everyone wanted, wanted to know where the title comes from. And to be honest with you, uh, I'm going to leave it a bit ambiguous for now. It's nothing. The answer's kind of boring, so leaving it ambiguous actually works better for me. Um, but I'll give it. I'll give it. I'll, I'll give it out soon. But I think for now, uh, I'll leave it ambiguous because okay. yeah, that's, that's that's more interesting than the actual real answer. To be honest, like I don't hate the title. I, I don't I, hate it either. I, I was wondering if it was to do with the opposites in the film, kind of thing. You know mm. what I mean? It's like, definitely it's yeah. Way on that kind of. I was wondering if it was that, but for yeah, sure, it's just intrigued in the thing. No, no, you've kind of hit upon something there. It's definitely there's definitely a, just, a juxtaposition of uh, of words of of connotations. Um, that's definitely something that the film handles as well. There's definitely a clash of of ideologies and cultures 
and uh, you know racial tension and mm. financial tension. So it's definitely, and even the film in itself is kind of it's like a big smash, big coming together of genres and um, also riffing off other films, riffing off mm. other moments from other films as well. So it's, it's, it's to me, it's like there's a there's a really great producer, hip hop producer called Madlib. Um, oh, another one yeah, called Jay. Yeah, so I love his work, and that's kind of what this film is. It's kind of a meshing together of of different genres and ideas and characters, and I guess the film title kind of complements that really well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's an interesting thing, right? You, you just mentioned Madlib. Mm. Do you get like that inspiration from like different media? Like yeah. if you listen to a song, if you hear a poem, if you, you know what I mean? Do, see something out in the wild, as it were, mm. does that sometimes Absolutely. trigger that storytelling mechanism in the mind? Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I, like I said, I love Madlib's work and I love you know, Kanye, I love, I love hip hop in general. Mm. And I love how it, it kind of it uses old samples to create new work, which then yes. also gets sampled. I love the idea of kind of mashing together things and making it work. I love classical music. I love uh, music from, you know, 60s and 70s and stuff. And additionally, I love, I love stand-up comedy and I love uh, Greek mythology and the you know, Roman tales of Julius Caesar and Cleopatra and stuff. So I just draw inspiration from everywhere and I try and put that together into a palatable uh, project, which I think kind of reflects my, my own thoughts. So for me, I can take inspiration from a human. I can take inspiration from a story back in you know, the, the dark ages. I can, take, I can take inspiration from anywhere. And I like putting that together into something that just means something to how we feel about society now. Mm. Yo, that, yeah, you, you just hit on a lot of my interests, right? Really? <laughs> and I, and I, I did notice the, uh, the Julia... The, Julia the, Caesar, yeah. Yeah, Julia the Caesar, reference yeah. in the film. I yeah. was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, love, I love that story of uh, Cleopatra and Mark Antony and uh, uh, Julia Caesar, that... That to me is like one of the greatest stories of all time, and oh, good. potentially potentially a true story. No yeah. one really knows, but just as a love story about power and greed and corruption and sex and money, it's perfect. I know, right? Because that's a, that's the thing. Like you never know how much of what we know of it is true, but we exactly. know there was a Cleopatra, uh-huh. there was a Caesar, yep. there was a Mark Antony. Absolutely. We know those things were real. We yeah. know that, you know, Egypt was crazy powerful at a mm-hmm. moment in time. Mm-hmm. Like we know all of these things. Yeah. And it's just like thinking that, was this a thing? It's just like so <laughs> It's weird, isn't it? It's very weird. Mm. Like it almost feels like it isn't a thing, but it definitely was a thing. And to have those two, like you said, the Egyptians were so strong back then, have the Romans as well at the same time so powerful. And the fact they crossed over and merged and had political and sexual and all sorts of relations going on is just fascinating stuff for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, especially when you look at Egypt now. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, it's funny. Yeah. Like you look at Egypt now, you look at Greece now, yeah. like you look at a yeah. lot of these old dynasties, mm. and it's just like they're a lot weaker. Damn. They're a lot weaker. Yeah. It's, it's, 
I think the same thing will happen to America. I think the same thing will happen to the UK. You know, the, the UK used to be so powerful with the British Empire. It still is yeah. to a degree, but you wouldn't call it a British Empire anymore because, no, firstly, that term is quite outdated. And also, they're just not as powerful as they used to be. So it's really it's fascinating to see how even like Genghis Khan, who ran most of the the, the Eastern world at one point. the most people. Exactly. You know. the most people. Exactly. Ever. And I think it's something like, he it's put a huge it percentage. so yeah. much. <laughs> his, yeah. his lineage is in it's so still, much. Yeah, it's still around. It's still around. It's I wouldn't be surprised if me and you have his lineage as well. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I but don't then, have yeah. his harem, so <laughs> we need a little DNA. That, that'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it'd be it'd be great to do do some sort of DNA test and find out you're related to Genghis Khan. <laughs> yeah, if you did that twenty three of me, and then they're like, oh, you're you're part Khan, and you're like, okay, <laughs> all right. We can get it changes everything, doesn't it? it? Changes your life at that point. <laughs> Whatever job you're doing, it becomes insignificant. You have to change your job straight away. <laughs> yeah. I like all all dynasties come to an end, don't they? And mm. sometimes they are visibly sometimes they visibly come to an end. Sometimes they just subtly come to an end. You know, it's it's just the way of the world. So like dinosaurs used to exist and run the run the planet and then they disappeared as well. I'm sure we will pretty soon the way we're going as well. So yeah. Well done, to, well done, humans. Really. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it's crazy when you look at look at things like that and how it was. But mm. it is that whole thing that storytelling. It it's been around for so long. Absolutely. So long. Yeah. Like you look at Homer, Homer. And Odyssey, mm. which is. Yeah. One of my favorites. That's man. maybe my favorite. I love. You know what I mean? It's such a huge. It goes from Achilles and then the yeah. like the battle, and they go have to go back home and like meet the Medusa. Trojan horse thing. The Trojans, just, yeah, Trojan just horse. That in itself is a great Absolutely. little thing, but that's yeah. just a minor aspect mm. of the story. Exactly, exactly. And again, that's potentially a true story as well. It's just, mm. it's it's like you said, storytelling is just so impactful. I, I've always wanted to tell stories and create um narratives for different individuals that i have created and i just love the idea of to me like even in with my films i, I try and make sure even the supporting characters have a backstory because i feel everyone's got a story you know you look at someone on the street and you're like what's that person's story and i'm fascinated mm. by finding out what every individual person's story is i just find it so interesting i did enjoy that aspect of this film mm. the everyone had something yes you know what i mean it like and we saw someone and you thought okay but then there'd be these flashbacks and other sequences that fleshed everyone out yeah right I... so even if you didn't you don't necessarily get their bare bones like they were born here and over but we've got <laughs> enough we got enough seasoning <laughs> on there for yeah. you to be like all right yeah yeah, yeah i feel content with that Absolutely. I, I always feel like, especially with a lot of Hollywood blockbusters, you just get characters that turn up, they get killed, or they have the, they, they're there to serve a purpose, really. Yes. And I, I feel like I just like exploring why people do things, not just characters in films, just in life, really, why people do things, make choices. 
And I always feel that it's a bit more impactful on screen or any sort of narrative. It's a bit more impactful if you know a little bit about their character, not so much about their backstory, but just a bit about their character, why why they may choose to do certain things. I find that <clears throat> quite compelling. And it's always a, it's quite interesting as well when characters do things against type as well. So to, yes. to, to do that, you need to know a little bit about them to, to, to have that happen. Oh, man, you played with that for sure. <laughs> you played with that. <laughs> like, um, yeah, you know, I think the, the rap music, mm -hmm. it, it really is one of those cornerstones because it samples, you know, yes. it, it it goes back to. It's mm -hmm. like a love letter to the past a lot Absolutely. of Absolutely, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, so when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, that's it. Like, you did sound like a one of those dudes like myself, who was digging through those crates on a yeah. Saturday, you know, yeah. go to Black yeah. Market, go to Raw Deal, and just mm -hmm. be like looking through, and yeah. when you hear something, you'd be like, yo, I recognize that song. What was that song for? Yes. And you're looking, and you're yeah. hunting, and you're like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, yes. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really interesting you say that, because... Uh, when I was about, I don't know, 12, 13, my brother used to take me to like final, final markets and HMV. Yeah. And you remember when you had to put on the headphones and yeah. listen yeah, to, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I used to do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea of like something being born of one thing, like jazz music was born to be this really cool, edgy, off the cuff kind of thing. And then Tropical Quest came along and turned it into something quite popular and a bit mm. more funky. Um, I like I like something so small becoming so significant, and probably a lot of these people don't even know that they're being sampled sometimes. Yeah, um, and they're they're kind of appealing to a mass audience now, as opposed to you know back when they released the track, it probably hit just a very minute amount of people. Mm. Um, yeah, so I find rap really or hip hop really really pivotal to my own my own narrative arc. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just love the way because sometimes the, the, the samples are recognizable, sometimes mm. it's just a little fragment that yeah, you would yeah, never yeah. know. It's yeah, like okay. when um Jay Z sampled MC Hammer. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? because you you kind you get that there's a little recognition, but it's not until you listen to it a bit more that you then be like, oh. Shit. <laughs> That's oh fuck! They've looped, and that, but it's just that minute yeah, little yeah. section that yeah. was taken. It's 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 kind of. I used to think of it as quite kind of lazy when I thought you know I just got a song and I've sampled it. But then it's definitely not. It's it's incredible. Mm. It's like they've gone through so many records, and like you said, they've picked out a minute bit of a record and looped it and turned it into a whole different thing completely which is just palatable for the audience that they're appealing to. It's, it's incredible. I find it yeah. amazing. I mean, some sampling <laughs> can be a little... Like, a I, little bit, I, bit, I, yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of... Um, when the Fugees did Staying Alive, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they, they sampled the Bee Gees, it yeah, was just a real long loop, and it was just a yeah. bit like, eh, you could yeah. have done it a bit better. Yeah, yeah. Same thing I mean, it's a big song, so who the fuck am I? I don't think I, I agree with you. I mean, that's not even sampling for me, they're just taking the track and then adding a bit more bass, and then that's mm. it. That's, that's that's that to me is lazy sampling. Yeah. It's like when they remake films, and then you know, they made Spider Man back in 2002 or something, and then they remade it again in 2016. It's like, stop, 
And they made it, we made it again in 2018. So like, just stop it. Stop. Oh, I don't want to. Hold up. Hold up. Go, go, on, go on, on there, Marcus. Go on, go on, go on. Hey, go on. don't step on that. Are you a Spider Man? All right. All right. Are you a big Honestly, I will say, right? Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the first two Toby Maguire Spider Man. I love those films. Just because it kind of took things to a place that we, like Doc mm. Ock, the wow. effects of Doc Ock wow. were just. Just sitting there in a the cinema, I'm like, what the fuck have we just yeah. seen? Yeah, yeah. This is incredible. It's the jump CGI went from. Like, mm. you look at those sequences now, and sometimes you'd be like, oh, that looks a <laughs> bit. But, like, at the time, it was revolutionary. It was incredible. But, but I will say, then when they did the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, mm. I was a bit like, eh. Like, not much, cha- they didn't change enough. It's like covering a song and yes. then throwing the violin in. It's and that's the alive. only fucking change. Absolutely. Right? You ain't Absolutely. done nothing, really. Yeah. yeah. But the it's... Tokyo, I like the, the new Tom Holland stuff because they've taken him back to school. We've got a young Peter, and he, he's. It feels younger than Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we see it from those years. You know, it's yeah, a different yeah. kind of story. And they didn't do the whole... They just told that the Uncle Ben thing in flashback. It was mm-hmm, quick, mm-hmm, concise. Mm-hmm. So we get a fresh kind of take. And i that's what I enjoy about the new one. I... Andrew Garfield, meh. You know, this, <laughs> this this one I like. This one I'm feeling. I I do like it. So let me clarify what <laughs> <laughs> So I love Spider Man One. I love Spider Man Two, especially Spider Man Two. Like you said, yeah. Doc Ock, and um, yeah, that that whole thing's brilliant and great direction, great acting. Tobey Maguire is my favorite Spider Man. Andrew Garfield, I like him as an actor. I think he's a great actor. Yes, he's not right for Spider Man. No. Those films felt lazy to me it's felt like they would make it's cash grab to me the most recent ones are part of the universe like the marvel you know cinematic universe i'm not they're not my favorite part of the marvel cinematic universe but i do like them they are they yeah. are they are well-made films um, yeah, 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 yeah and i'm really excited for the new one because that's you know, know it's harping right. back to maybe top mcguire and andrew garfield Ooh, again. yeah so i'm excited for that but um <laughs> i just find it it's like it's a bit like what you said with Staying Alive. It's like, okay, we've got a great track, Staying Alive. Let's just replay that whole song and put some rap on top. Okay, great, we've got a new song. Mm. It felt, it feels a bit like that when they keep remaking the Spider-Man films. I, I think I've seen enough Spider-Man, but I know I'm definitely in the minority there because it's going to probably make a billion dollars um, oh, when it yeah. comes out. Okay. So yeah. I'm very much in the minority. But yeah. I, I don't like, like, if they made The Godfather or Back to the Future, for example, I... I would be quite upset. Um, mm. So it's, to me, it's kind of the same principle of, like you said, just re- getting a track, putting some rap on it, like a, a violin or a bit of cello. And look, here's our new track. That to me is just very lazy. Mm. I, no, I know what you mean, right? Because they, the Marvel Universe is so big that you'd be like, mm. yo, what about a film on this character or that character? Mm. Like some different shit. Like yeah. imagine if they did an Excalibur film. Wow. Right, that, that'd be kind of crazy. Yes, yes. right. Silver you know what I mean? It, well. it, 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 it's yeah. delving deeper into the lexicon. Abs- absolutely. Like I love Silver Surfer. I don't know why. I don't really know much about him. I just love the way he looks. Mm. Um, and they should do a Silver Surfer film, for example. You know, they don't need to make another Spider-Man film. Well, I think um, Fantastic Four is coming. 
Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. And it, I'm excited it's, for so that. It's been written by, um, is it Jason Watts? I it's think who did the Spider-Man stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, John Watts. Yeah, John, John Watts. Watts. Yes. Yeah. 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 He, oh, he's wow. going to be doing the, Spy- the Fantastic Four. Is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, that's yeah, good. Yeah. He's a so, very, um, very good director. Yeah, and, and I've heard Silver Surfer's name thrown around so much. So that, I'm that be very happy. That would be very happy. I'll be a very really? happy person if that happens. I think they have yeah, to, won't they? Because cool. they've opened yeah. up the Eternals and the Galacticus has come in and you've had Thanos. So Silver Surfer's just around the corner, I guess. Yeah. No, that, that, would, that would be... Very fair. I do think, though, uh-huh. the, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, uh-huh. we will get to your film, I promise you, <laughs> I, I think the Andrew was just a, a case of, we need to make something or we lose a license. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's why we got that one so yeah. soon after, you know, in the yeah, 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 wire yeah. stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. I get it. I just, I don't know. Maybe I picked the wrong film. Maybe I should be the different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Alien. There we go. Prometheus and uh, whatever the other one after that was called. Just no need. And Terminator. No need for the like. Term for me. Terminator One and Terminator Two. That's the end of the story. Mm. Maybe Sarah. Sarah. Uh, Sarah. What's her name? Sarah. Blah blah blah. Chronicles. The TV show. Chronicles. Chron- um, Sarah. Uh, Connors. 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 Yeah. Chronicles. Yeah. Maybe I'll take that as well. But for me. That is it. Like, I'm not accepting three. I'm not accepting four. I'm not accepting the most recent one, which is terrible as well. Um, yeah. It was awful. So I just, I hate when, like, there's so many original stories. You, you said it as well. There's so many original stories that people can can make, and they spend so much money. And no one's seen these films. People are really getting, people are just not enthused by these films anymore. I think Hollywood needs to kind of take note and make new stuff, really. There is, there does seem... Which plays into your film, I think, right? There, mm-hmm. there seems that fear mm-hmm. of the big studios to try new things. Yes. Right? So you go back to old franchises. You rem- you make Hocus Pocus 2, right? You go <laughs> back and you make these things. Or yeah. you do a TV version of the thing. And it's mm-hmm. mining and mining and mining mm-hmm. and mining. Mm-hmm. You know, until yeah. there's no gold left in the frigging Absolutely. ground, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So very true. When you come to do your stuff, mm-hmm. and you're thinking of stories and you're thinking mm-hmm. of ideas, how do you create something, right? Because we've seen bank robbery films, yeah, absolutely, right? We, we've seen this concept, so. When you're devising a story like Blonde Purple, where does the newness come from, right? Where do you, how does that start, right? You mm-hmm. Do you start with, hey, I want to make a bank heist film, but I don't want to do it like, you know, The Inside Man or some of these other ones. Mm-hmm. So where am I going to inject a new thing or does the, does it just form as the new idea and you go, Oh, let's frame it like this and boom, boom, boom. How does this whole blossom in the mindset? That's a great question. Um, For me with this specific project, it came from the nucleus of an idea where I thought to myself, okay, I've seen most heist films. I love heist films so much that one of my favorite genres, Mm. but I'd never seen a heist film where, the lead character, apart from Dog Day Afternoon, but that's very different. Um, well, the lead character has to 
get out of the bank and he's got a hostage, just one hostage. I've never seen that before. I thought, let me explore that. And with when you're shooting low budget films, you try and keep things to one location. You also try and keep things quite tight in terms of narrative, which unfortunately I didn't do because there's a lot of flashbacks. But the the actual nucleus of the story is inside this one room. And yeah. that's kind of where the idea came from. It came from that concept of uh, how is he going to get out of this bank? <clears throat> so that's, I just built everything around that really. And to I try and, I try not to, I think most stories have been told already. You know, it's very hard to create new stories nowadays. Um, yeah. I've seen so many films now that I watch a film and within 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, oh. You know where it's going, yeah. right? Yeah, I watched Red Notice uh, over the weekend. Oh, yeah, that was so, it was predictable. It was very predictable. And, you know, Ryan Reynolds is funny, but to our Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is, yeah, <laughs> it's like a bit much. Stop. Yeah, and The Rock is playing the same character. Gelga, though, was good. But I guess my, <laughs> to answer your question, um, it's very hard to make original things nowadays, unless yeah. you're doing something really quaint um, that hasn't really got a narrative then it's very hard to do something quite original. So I guess the originality comes in what happens around the framework that you've built. So I've got a heist film. What happens within my heist film? Is it going to be your standard heist film? You know, your gangsters who shoot each other. Is it going to be a bit more nuanced? And I like to think this is a bit more nuanced. There's something else going on there. Mm. It's not just about the heist. The heist is is key to the narrative, but actually there's a lot more going on. There's a lot, there's a lot of deeper social commentary going on. Um, and I, I like to think that the film's quite aware of itself. <clears throat> a lot of people are gonna say it's very similar to Tarantino, which I've had a lot of people say so far, but I do reference Tarantino in the film. I'm aware of what I'm doing. I'm also aware of the fact that it's quite similar to like Spike Lee films as well. Again, so, it's just about what you do within the framework. The framework's always going to be the same. Gangster film, it'll be the same. But what are you doing within the framework is kind of the answer to that. Yeah, I I, I don't think you parroted any other director in this. No. There were nods to, right? There were nods to Absolutely. films. There was acknowledgments. Absolutely. Yeah, it didn't feel like, oh, this is a Tarantino ripoff. And we've seen Tarantino. Yeah. Ten, ten, ten. <laughs> <laughs> Tarantino ripoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I've not been drinking. <laughs> it's a Friday. No one will blame you. <laughs> no, we see that Tarantino That's the one. Yeah. in the past. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, this didn't feel like that. Right, this no, I mean, feel like an original voice. Yeah, obviously, and it was intriguing how you weaved the story together. Yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, I, I do love Tarantino's work. I love Spike Lee's work. Um, there's a bit of a reference in there because they had a bit of an issue with the whole use of the N word. Um, mm. So this film also plays with that concept a little bit as well. Um, so I agree with you. I mean, I wasn't trying to rip off Tarantino. Or anyone else, it is very much nods. There's like cowboy themes in there. Um, there's a very, very strong cowboy theme going on in the film as well. <clears throat> and you know, Scorsese and you know, my my like I said before, my influences come from everywhere. So I love French uh, French New Wave. I love French cinema. I love German cinema. I love Korean cinema. So every one of those influences are just in there. That happens naturally as a human being. Um, 
and I'd be concerned if I was plagiarizing anyone's work as well. Yeah. How, like, this is the thing, like, I'm dabbled a little in stand up, right? Mm. And oh, nice. I, I, I worry sometimes, like, I don't always watch the specials, even mm. though someone drops a special, I'm like, I really want to watch, you know, Tom Segura's new special, or the Rogan new special, you mm. know, the new Chappelle. But mm. then I'm just like, ah, oh, no, I want to. I want to get on some open mic soon. So I don't know if I want to watch this because I don't want any of the jokes to be permeating in the mindset Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. me then write something, not intentionally finding it, but maybe taking certain kernels of into what I'm doing. How do you, how do you avoid that? I mean, obviously you avoid it physically by not watching it, but I guess you, you wanted to get into stand up because you saw stand-up previously. So, you know, you've probably seen so many stand-ups. So do, do you feel like your style maybe was influenced by by other stand-up comedians? I, I, I think, so this is the weird thing. Yeah, I've watched so much stand-up, man. Mm. I, like, I go to stand-up all the time and all of this. So it makes no sense me not watching some of these things because I'm just yeah. like, no, because I don't, right? Because <laughs> the thing is like, I like the the kind of the storytelling style of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I, but I hate the ones where you see someone and people are like, oh yeah, just on the bus here. And you're like, no, 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 no. That didn't just happen. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Like, I, I need a kernel of honesty in the world. Yeah. Saying. So yeah. I like a lot of the stuff it's on past experiences or a play on a past experience mm-hmm. or acknowledgement to something. Absolutely. So uh, most of the stuff I talk about is kind of based on me, mm. right? It's my so-called life as mm. it were. Mm. So yeah, that I think that's why, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not really taking anyone else's shit because it's just things that it's viewing things through my eyes. Yeah, you know, so yeah. I might talk about a subject that someone may have talked about, but this is my interpretation of that thing. Yeah, so same here. Yeah, I same try and keep that grounded in me. You know, what absolutely. I mean? I mean, I've never robbed a bank. I've never been stuck in a bank with a uh, uh, hostage. Or Damn, that was uh, my never... next question. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it. Damn it! Sorry. We can ask. We can still ask you, and we pretend we didn't really answer it. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of my influences are just from other films, um, and then throughout that, there's moments of my real life that I put into my films as well. So it's just the undercurrent of the emotions or my my ideas on how finances and socioeconomic um, policies and things work that comes into play as well. Um, so I agree with you in a sense. I try and avoid. I try and avoid watching certain films when I'm writing stuff, mm. because then you will be influenced by those things. But then, you know, when you finish writing your project or making your project, then you 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 have to. I, for me, I have to watch films. I have to because it, to me, it's like it's the homework. Yeah. You know, when I'm watching a film, I'm not watching most of the time for enjoyment. I'm watching for education. So. Um, it's very, very, very similar to what you do. I know you said that you don't watch specials just before you perform, so it's very similar in that sense. Um, but I, I, like I said, I love stand-up comedy. Absolutely love it. If I had the balls, I would definitely want to get involved because 
it's it's so brave to be in front of people and your purpose is to make them laugh and they've paid to to laugh and if you don't make them laugh they're not gonna laugh <laughs> simple <laughs> they're not gonna lie to you and laugh like when you're with your friends your friends may laugh at your jokes because they're your friends but when you mm. when people are paid to go and watch someone laugh, they want they want to laugh they're not gonna laugh if they're not yeah if you're not making them laugh they're not gonna laugh so i, I admire you in that sense yeah but you're making films Right, you're making films yeah. and putting it out in the world, and it's like if people don't like the film, you might not be able to make another film, <laughs> right? So, I think mean, I think they, they kind of go hand in like they're both very similar, yeah, yeah. in that yeah. respect of you're putting yourself out there, mm. yeah, you know, it's, it's like, similar. It's similar, and it, it, you're hoping people gel with the the idea that you've kind of coalesced right yeah. yeah i guess for me that is important i think you know i was speaking to my friend about this the other day like art is subjective to a point to the point where critic sees it and says it's terrible or it's good that, mm. then it's not so then it's not so subjective at that point it becomes objective so for me sure i'm making films for myself and i want to tell these stories and get it out there but i'm also I'm interested in how people, you know, resonate with it because otherwise I'm just making films for myself, which is not really, you know, it's not really, well, what are we doing? I want to just be making films <laughs> for myself. That it's a lot of work to make a film. So, you know, I could sit in my, sit in my room in my head and imagine a film if I want to just make it for myself. So um, it is very much a case of putting yourself out there, but I always feel that if you're passionate about something and you just feel like it needs to get out there, there's going to be people who, who resonate with it. It may not be a majority audience, but there's going to be people out there who will definitely like it and want to see more of your work as well. So I try not to think too much about audience reaction because if you're just pandering towards the audience, you are just making a, a Hollywood blockbuster at that point. Yeah, very. And how many films, man? You know what I mean? The hmm. critics were like, ugh. And then every, now everyone loves them, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy when you look yeah. at the amount of films that people just like, this was rubbish, it was mm -hmm. a travesty, it was a waste mm -hmm. of film. Mm -hmm. And yeah. now, like, they go into the Hall of Congress, or it's just yeah, no, it's so true. film that's on so everyone's true. rotation. Absolutely. I think Fight Club was one of those instances where people were like, this is awful, terrible, yeah. no one wanted to go and see it. Now it's it's my favorite film. Well, it's one of my favorite films, and it's a lot of other people's favorite films. You know, it's an incredible film. So yeah, you're I, absolutely I don't right. understand how people hated it in the first. That like, is a weird thing. It's like, like films where people are like, "Oh, this is a terrible film," and you mm. watch it, and I, I'm like, "Why do people hate this film?" Mm. It, mm. it baffles me. Mm. You know? Yeah, it's a strange one, especially critics. I feel like. I feel like with critics, they're trying to get on top of things before they happen. So they're almost watching a film and thinking, I need to get on top of things before they happen. So if the, if the audience is not going to like this, I need to say, this is not going to be good, or this is not good. Or if the audience is going to love it, I need to say this is good. So I always feel with some critics, it can be like that. And then they get the wrong judgment call. And then, you know, 20 years later, like you said, the film's in the National Hall of Congress. Yeah, I, it's it's that weird thing, right? I, I think some people like are known for rants and things like that. Mm. So it's just like, oh, if I rant on this film, you know, mm. that's what people want. So I'm yeah. gonna 
And th- but then they also seem to forget that just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's rubbish. True. Very you know true. what I mean? And, and that's the thing. It's just like there's films that I don't like. It just, mm. but I look at them and I can like it's very well put together. Absolutely. Great soundtrack. Cinematography Absolutely. is mm. incredible. Absolutely. I just don't like it. Mm. But yeah. it's just, but you know, oh, there's clearly an audience for this. Mm-hmm. But so you have to look for what's it similar to? Okay, it's similar to that, that, and that. So you have to, you, I feel you have to say, it, listen, doesn't, it's not my thing, but if you like this, this, and this, mm. I think it's speak it. to you. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? there's, there's a film I watched, a French film that won the Palme d'Or this year uh, called Titane. Oh, I hear that is so. I man, I was so irritated. There's, it, it, you know, I covered the London Film Festival this year, and it was played. It. Mm. And well, no, I couldn't watch it because it's subtitled, and ah. I can't see it well enough to see subtitles. Oh. And it was what they they had some audio described films, but that wasn't one of them. And I was just oh, like, no. God damn it! Because everyone I talked to at the festival were like, Have you seen today? It's so good. I'm like, Shut up. I can't watch it. I'm telling you, this is an amazing film. It's it's um it's definitely a unique film, but it definitely plays for me, it played into what you just said. It was I watched it and I was like, what the hell is this? Like I don't know if I like it or if I hate it, but I appreciated it. It's beautifully shot. It's magnificently acted it's, it's it's well directed i appreciate every bit of the craft of the film i it just didn't resonate with me and maybe i need yeah. to watch it again to, to to kind of appreciate it but like you said not not every film is for everyone you know not everyone loves a rom-com not everyone loves an action film um so yeah i totally agree with you that i guess you know some critics like you said they 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 get a lot of popularity by just ranting on on films and I actually enjoy watching those. I'm not going to lie to you. I love when uh, there's a bad film and then a uh, critic goes into it. I'm not. Mm. I actually enjoy watching that. So if people rant, you know, rant into my films, I can't sit there and go, "That's not fair," because you know I've laughed at other people getting ranted into. So, um, but you're right. I mean, you should kind of be fair and bi- uh, unbiased and try and say, "Hey, this film's quite similar to this, so maybe you'll like this if you like that." So I totally agree with you in that sense. Yeah, I think you can definitely, you know, berate a film. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's there's films which I've watched and they seem like they talk on certain subjects and they do not hit that subject. It's just like, wait, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, how the fuck are you talking about, you know what I mean, racism? <laughs> yeah, no like, that's not... Right, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and it's just like, it drives you insane. And then you... it's just like, but you might like the film. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, I hate this fucking film. <laughs> but you might. <laughs> are, are you talking about the film Crash? Is that the film you're talking about? Have you seen that? No, there was, there, Crash was a weird one. Crash was a, a oh. weird one. Like, I thought, like, Monster, you remember Monsters Ball? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I didn't get the transition for Billy Bob Fulton's character. 
Mm. Is yes, I've known <laughs> racists who have then changed, mm -hmm. but in that film, there was nothing that showed you his opinion changed. No, all of a sudden he's just getting it down with Halle Berry, and it's just like, <laughs> say what? <laughs> that like, changes like, opinion, I, I guess. <laughs> Halle Berry I, I, changes yeah. opinion on every. <laughs> <person>. <laughs> That's the solution, you know. It's just, just that's the solution to racism. It's Halle Berry, I guess. Yeah. So there's often those odd films which, yeah, do, do these weird things, and mm. that, that can be irritating. But yeah, I, I try and look at it like you know, I mean, these are it's storytelling, and not every story is for me. Not every story mm -hmm. needs to be for me, mm -hmm. but. Hey, you definitely got, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, you should be able to tell your story, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. Totally. I think back to the statement that art is subjective, I think that kind of sums it all up, really. You know, if someone's created an art piece, which could be a film, or uh, for me, stand-up comedy is an art piece as well. Like, you have you have the right to perform and you have the right to create this piece. And like I said, like not everyone's going to love it. Maybe only 10 people will like it out of a million, but at least someone liked it. At least someone apart from yourself liked it. And even if you just like it and no one else likes it, that I guess you've expressed yourself and that's enough. Mm, yeah. Now, when you tell your stories, mm. what is the, the process of the layout, mm -hmm. right? Like, how do you figure out the sequences? Mm -hmm. Because this film... You said, look, it's based in, essentially in one room, but then we mm. get the flashbacks and all of this, which fleshes out things and gives you, you know, that that insight into the mindsets of a lot of these characters. Mm. So when, firstly, you know, you had your main story, you thought mm. of that. So how and when did the other sequences come? And then when when you thought, oh, let's show this, mm -hmm. then when do you know where to put it in the film? Sure. For me, I think one of the things I used to do when I first started to write, uh, I used to go, this is my beginning, this is my middle, and this is my end. And then I'd make sure that I hit those points to get to those points. So I yeah. know what those things are and then it would just be a case of joining the dots together. And that for me is not very organic. So what I do now is I just sit there and I just write and whatever comes out, comes out. So for me, whenever things are happening in the film or in the script, it's because I feel they need to happen at that point. Not because of narrative structure, but because I feel like at that moment, it explains the context of why a character did a certain thing or why right. they behave the same way. So for this film, I, I knew what the ending was going to be. I knew that at the beginning of the film, he threatens he's going to do something to the hostage. And I knew that something had to happen to, something had to happen, there had to be an ending. And I, I actually had a different ending in mind, but anyway, that's another story. But for this, I just kind of, I just organically wrote it. I just kind of wrote the sequences in the bank and I thought, okay, well, this has now happened. I, I feel like I need to tell people why this character has made that decision at that point. So the flashback was key at that point, that specific mm. point. And then obviously we need to know how he got into this situation in the first place. I, I felt that was key 
absolutely key and crucial. So the the stories are running together concurrently on a timeline where the, the flashbacks are going one way and the 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 the, full, the actual main core of the story is going one way as well. So we meet at some point we meet together and it all comes together. So it's just to answer your question in a short in a short form answer, it's just organic really. Um I try to stay away from you know putting things into boxes and making them connect together because it just it feels like it when you start watching the film and you know what's going to happen next I feel as well. Yeah. Now that that's interesting you said because it didn't feel like you never knew when something was going to come. Right? Mm. You didn't like you know there's the things like sometimes you watch something and you feel oh, I think we're getting a flashback yeah. here. Or we're, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. this is obviously, we're going to transition at this moment. Yeah. And you didn't feel that with this. Mm, and also, yeah. you didn't use mood music, and I always appreciate Oh, I, I absolutely hate, music. I hate mood music. I hate it. I know people love it. I know they love Hans Zimmer and Inception and Dune and all this. And I, I like, I appreciate it, but I hate using it myself. I hate music that's not in some way diegetic, even though sometimes in this film there's a couple of moments where there's non-diegetic music, I, I do hate when you you tell an audience now it's an emotional moment. Yes. Okay? Now it's a funny moment. Now this is happening. It's no, let me get there myself. I, I want to get there myself. And the more you try and force me to get there, the less I'm gonna get there. Exactly. Because that's the thing. I'm like, if I can't tell something from what's on the screen. <laughs> We've got what a problem. What are we doing? Houston, we have a problem, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. If you if you if you've not conveyed your emotion correctly through what you like you said, what's happening on the screen, then why don't use music to to try and don't try and pull hard strings with mm. music, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Totally yeah, agree yeah. with you. I'm glad yeah. you noticed that as well. Yeah, no. Another thing I noticed, right, is mm. we've got a few sarcastic characters, should we say, <laughs> in the film. <laughs> Which, like, I'm just like, I don't think this is fine for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Like, yeah. If uh. someone's holding a, you know what I mean, an angry goodbye in your face, me, <laughs> you want to be about all your P's and Q's. <laughs> that is so true that is so true uh i guess i guess that's the the writer coming out the characters coming out in the uh in the old film there unfortunately uh, but maybe they didn't, I... they didn't feel like they were the same though that was a, yeah, yeah they, they yeah. still felt very different it was a mm. different sort of sarcasm you know what I mean? Uh, and you, you know what I mean? Just, uh, they, they all had their different voice. And I thought that was very good. There's sometimes you watch things and everyone, like a Dawson's Creek, right? Everyone has the same tone. Everyone talks in the same fucking way. I've never known a group of friends who talk exactly the same. Insane. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, Dawson's Creek's a perfect example. I remember I must have been like 14 when that came out, and uh yeah, it, it hasn't aged well. <laughs> <laughs> 
the, um, yeah, it's very specific to a certain demographic and uh, way of way of thinking. And like yeah. you said, all the characters talk exactly the same. Even the <laughs> mum and dad talk the same way as the children. Is <laughs> is this? It's just crazy. I don't. I, I. You know what I mean? Look, you you often get people hang out with the same um, viewpoints, mm. right? That are all left leaning or all right leaning mm. or whatever, whatever. Mm. All hippies. You feel me? But they will all have their own different type of inflection and talk mm -hmm. pattern and yeah. you know what I mean? and that kind of thing so it's often weird when you watch things and everyone Just has like... that same voice uh, uh... so when you're writing these characters right and you're thinking okay this character oh this character's gonna be a little bit lit, <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah. they're yeah. not gonna toe the line yeah right yeah. Uh, and this character's gonna be a bit too, like how do you create that but mm. with their own voices with their own personalities so they're very everyone's very distinct mm -hmm. and everyone was very distinct in mm -hmm. the film mm -hmm. um so first and foremost i love conflict i love chaos and conflict so to have chaos and conflict you need two different characters anyway so i would find it really really boring to create two same characters and create conflict it wouldn't work it just wouldn't work. You can write an argument, but if they're talking the same inflection and the same voice, it's just it's the same person having the same argument yeah. with themselves. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, I've done that. Definitely done that. <laughs> I mean, That's like, something that you need to talk to someone about. <laughs> <laughs> you may have to talk to someone about that. So, <laughs> so when we finish this, you can <laughs> give someone a call. Um, but it's for me like i said i think initially is that i love i love uh narratives and i love not having supporting characters who are just supporting characters i love each person having their own um voice and their own backstory and their own decisions and to do that you have to have characters with distinctive voices and that distinctive voice may be that they don't have a voice it may be that they're not very confident it might be that they're overconfident i just find the juxtaposition of different characters so interesting in, in the film and it just it heightens the sense of drama because like you said if you were a bunch of friends they're not all the same everyone's different everyone's got their own you know everyone had a different story to every different journey to get to the restaurant that you all met up at and everyone's got a different story of, about their lives and everyone's got their own core wounds and i think that's really key is you know each character's got their own core wound what makes the character do what they do. So for me to write different characters is a dream. I, I, I love writing different characters. I would, hate, I would hate writing characters that are exactly the same. That would be that would be a nightmare for me. Yeah, and yeah, definitely everyone is very different. And you get some <laughs> really great conversations. You yeah, know, between um Nath and uh, uh, uh nameless, Mr. Nameless. Yes, yeah, yeah that's like, I was like, Yeah, we don't get the name, do we? Mm. And it's mm. like, yeah, we, we like some of those conversations mm. are like some of them, you know, you feel is this getting heated? <laughs> it wasn't necessarily getting heated, it no. was more of that kind of making a point. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, but yeah, very. And it was, I did think it interesting 
the conversation about like the the N word and the use mm. of mm. it. There's mm. look, there's films which throw around the word, yes. right? And you think it's not really needed. No. But then there's other films where it fits within the narrative on the film. Like mm. it fit in Dango Unchained. Mm-hmm. Right? It does. It does. It did not fit in uh, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> so like, I remember watching Shaun of the Dead. And Is it in Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. There's a, there's no a point when they, they, I think they're running through the house and they mm-hmm. leave the house and they go into the garden mm-hmm. and. <sighs> Is it the records? Not yeah, Simon yeah. Pegg, the yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. He turns around and he's he's something like, "What up, mate?" Something. Oh like yeah! That. Oh yeah! 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 That is. And that is. Yeah. That, yeah. At that yeah. point, I was done. I was like, mm. it just took me out of the film because I'm mm. just like, yeah. What the fuck? Like, the, the <laughs> group of white dude. Like, the why is that? What? Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean it, it, it seemed a weird one, but in <clears> this film. The way they're talking and the the rationale, it'd be like, yeah, because I know it irritates you. Mm. And, and when it, it's that that talk of, you know, our, our nameless dude, he's just like, yeah, but it's you know, it's repressive, it's slavery, mm. it's this. Mm. He's just like, nah, I I look at it like this, mm. and it is that interesting narrative because I think in the UK, there's a lot of things which we look at differently than the US. Yes, for sure. You know what I mean? And for play sure. differently here than they do in the US. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've had those conversations because it's like, I mean, I, I think it sometimes it depends on where you grow up, right? Because I grew up in an all-white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There was only, man, it's like me, my brother and sister, and I think there was one other black kid at my mm-hmm. school I went to. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And every day you heard the word. And it Did wasn't, you? what up, my? It was, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was the ER. Yeah. It was, the ER, yeah. <laughs> it was the not very nice way. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. was every day, numerous times. And sometimes from. Directed at you. Directed at you oh, specifically. All the time. Yeah. Wow. Me, like there was drive-by usages of it. Wow. You know what I mean, people would just be like, bro. So it's then kind of hearing the word is different to if you grew up in a different neighborhood mm-hmm. and in For a sure. different way. You know what I mean? Mm. And so it, I think the, 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 the those conversations, like in the film and things like that, it's just like it's always interesting. Right, yeah, and, and it makes sense on what is being said, right? And so it works within the film. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't like the word. Um, and I, I do feel like you're right. I feel like in certain instances in certain films, it's definitely it can add something because if a character uses that word frequently, whether it's uh an Afro-American or British British uh African or British black. Caribbean or whatever, whoever's using the word. If it's part of their character, if it's what they know, fine. If it's a racist who uses the word consistently, fine. If it's just been thrown around, sometimes I've seen films where it's just thrown in there and it's almost like, it's like a little sneaker punch. Like, let's check it in there. Um, And it has no purpose at all. 
Um, there's no conversation behind why it's being used. It's just there. And maybe Sean Ledet is a good example of that. Um, whereas I want, I wanted, and like I said, Tar Tarantino and Spike Lee had this issue where Spike Lee was like, you keep using the N-word, you shouldn't be allowed to use it because you're white and you're obsessed with this N-word. And I, I think Tarantino is maybe the opposite of your situation. I know you grew up in a very black neighborhood and you watch a lot of blaspitation films and stuff. Mm. So for him, using the word just feels kind of natural. I'm not saying it's right for him to use the word, by the way. I'm just saying it feels natural to him. Yes. And the way he uses it in Django, especially, is completely fine for me because it's racist saying the N-word. You know, it's not. He's not trying to glamorize the, the 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 word. He's not trying to make it into a cool word or hip word. It's just how most likely those slave drivers would have been acting towards black people. Yeah, it'd be then. weird if he. It'd be kind of weird if he didn't. Mm. If he was just like, "Hello, good man. Would you like to come this way?" <laughs> you know, you'd be like, hey, "What? <laughs> what? What's happening here?" Right? It, it's like when they took it out of um, Huckleberry Finn. Oh, right. they, yeah. they, they they republished it and took out all the you know mm. the racist elements of the mm, book and you're no. like um we know when the book was written yeah right we yeah. know what the times were like absolutely so it's fine it is right? fine you want to add an addendment at the front and say this book uses certain terms which nowadays we don't use. Mm. We, we, we don't look at it as great. You mm -hmm. know, fine, do mm -hmm. that, but don't change the fucking book. No, please. It's, it's the choice of someone. Do I want to read this book that was written at a certain time and uses certain language? Yes, I want to read it to see what what happened, mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. things were looked at, or you'd be like, maybe not today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I yeah. think it should be the choice of the people. It should be the choice. Be the exactly. Exactly. I don't, I don't agree with going back over films. I, I had this conversation on Al Jazeera and they were like, uh, I think it was last year during the lockdown that Gone with the Wind was the film that was oh, like gosh, pulling from yeah. HBO Max. I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, if, if my film 10 years from now, people go, oh, this thing happened in your film and now we think that's now a bad thing. Your film needs to be taken out of circulation. I'd be like, that's devastating. Because mm. although the film touches upon subjects of racism in a very weird way. Um, it's it's true to its time. It's true to its time. Yeah. It made back then. There's no, like you said, if people don't want to watch it, they don't have to watch it. But it shouldn't be taken away from people so they can't watch it. That's that's ridiculous. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Um, and there's worse films than you know, Gone with the Winds, Oh, of the Nation, and you know, there's so many other films that that are really bad. But end of the day, I think we said before, art is freedom of expression to a degree. Um, and to stop people doing things is 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 for me it's bad. Um, mm. People should be allowed to express themselves. Yeah, to a degree. To a degree. Yeah. No, that, I think that's the thing because it's just like, look, if you don't like it, don't you don't have to consume it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and, and it should just be that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? for sure, for sure. I yeah. So I mean, that that conversation in the film was was definitely to do with Spike Lee and Tarantino, but also to do with my own internal thoughts on the subject, which I don't particularly like the word. I don't like people who just throw it around um, needlessly. Mm. But at the same time, the character who says it, he justifies why he says it and why he says it specifically to this character. Um, 
And I feel like his justifications behind it are specific to him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, there was definitely a lot of interest. Like with um, uh, Sadri, when when she's talking to uh, the dude, and you're just like, damn. That must be good because yo, you're you're putting up with a lot of shit. That must be some good shit. <laughs> that must be some Marxist censorship right there. Waitrose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's it's the I, yeah. I like I like like you said sarcasm sarcasm and a bit salty and it just adds to the drama when there's a bit of conflict and you only get that by having characters who are a little bit salty sometimes just a little bit just a little bit <laughs> yeah salty yeah yeah and and <clears throat> even with our singer in the bank mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i mean like i think sometimes you can look at things and be like ah but would someone do that in that mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. you have to think it's just like how do we always act in times of shit, right? Mm. You make jokes. You'd be mm. like, huh, you, you can be sarcastic. You can be. So then you look at it and be like, no, that will make sense, right? Mm. But mm. what's going on? But it's that there's some weird fucking mind games going on. <laughs> Interplays and all of that in the film to try and get certain information, to try and get truths and all mm. of that, mm. which is so compelling. Mm. Like when you're working out those beats of a conversation, does it kind of often come to you just naturally, or do you have to sometimes really try and focus in on the points that you want to come across in this? Mm. I think with the specific example you gave, with the hostage, the young girl, sixteen-year-old girl, and uh, our leads, our protagonists, um, in that specific example. I, from the beginning, wanted us to think, or wanted the audience to think, why is she in there? Why didn't she run away? Why is she still in there? Like, what what's she doing there? Mm. And I think that adds to our confusion, adds to the protagonist's confusion, which again, just kind of takes us on a, on a pathway of thinking, what is going on? What, why, yeah. So that's kind of, for me, it was always that mystery of putting layer upon layer of mystery and adding to the sense of this character's absolute struggle of trying to get out of this bank. And he's also got this problem as well. He thinks this is a good thing that she's in there, but actually maybe her being in there is not a good thing because she's really distracting him from what he's trying to achieve. Um, and I, again, I, I, without sounding like a broken record, it just comes from conflict. It's, you know, I think all good stories have conflict. And I feel like if one person's trying to do one thing, the other character should be trying to an obstacle in the way mm. she always be obstacles in in each character's way so this character wants to do this this character's not letting them do it this character tries to do this so this character yeah so to me i always think about what would be the best obstacle the most realistic obstacle to for this character getting the goal they want so it could be a character is trying to um trying to buy a car so you know what's the obstacle the sales the sales, the sales dealership guy uh, it's having a really bad day. He doesn't want to sell a car today. If he if he sells this car today, then 
he goes over his target and gets less money gets less money so that's the obstacle right there so always try and create an obstacle and a pathway towards the goal which maybe is not the pathway yeah i think with, with that character man there was so many things i was like oh is she could it be <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah throughout it's like is that a clue? That's a clue. Oh yeah, what? She must be. And she like, must oh, be. She's not. She's not. <laughs> okay, what else does she want? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that that was just whoa. All the way through, man, you were just thinking and thinking, and like you see certain flashbacks, like, oh, is that a clue? Like, I I will say, I mm. thought she was a girl in a red dress. Ah, I, okay. I, I, it's, you know, because it was that. Like, don't you mm. reckon like we've met before? And I yeah. thought, oh, that's, and then I was no. like, oh, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. No, no. <laughs> they met somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. They met somewhere yeah. else. <laughs> Which the cafe thing, right? Mm. That, that, I, I kind of feel that was a Pulp Fiction little nod. Yeah. I think that's probably why a lot of people go, oh, this is similar to Tarantino stuff. Yeah. Cafe thing, which, Acts as the genesis for all the characters. It's almost yeah. like a portal, a portal for all the characters um, that have been to this moment at one time. Uh, I love the idea of fate, and I think if you've seen any of my other films, I've made two other films, and they all they all deal with the idea of fate and choice. And um, I find it fascinating that you could be in the same location with someone and you didn't even know it, and then you've met them at a later date and. Now you're maybe lovers and now you may be friends, best friends or whatever, but you didn't know that you met all those years ago at that place because you mm. were in the same location. I find that really fascinating. So it it's actually it's actually not a it's not actually not a nod to pop fiction, surprisingly enough, although it kind of is, it actually isn't. There's a film that Paul Thomas Anderson made, a short film called Cigarettes and Coffee. And um Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's so a nod to that. It's more not to that than yeah. Pulp Fiction. Nice. Yeah. That was, that was the thing. Where I thought it was a nod to Pulp Fiction, I still didn't think, oh, this is a, you mean, a carbon yeah. copy of that situation. Yeah. It still yeah. felt very different. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and it was still be like, oh, recognize that voice. You're like, <laughs> oh, shit, that's the. And I was like, yeah. ah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I, I like that. Right, yeah. there's certain times in films where or, or TV when things like that happen, you'd be like, "Oh, well played, sir. Well played. <laughs> well played." <laughs> I, I remember when um, Stephen Moffat took over Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Because I really enjoy Stephen Moffat's writing, like from mm. coupling. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like uh, Sherlock. Just, the, Stephen Moffat can write so mm. well, mm -hmm. and there was a, a sequence in. Because it wasn't actually in he when he took over with Matt Smith. He wrote the, I think it was the Angels episode. Mm -hmm. He wrote a couple of episodes with David Tennant. Mm -hmm. And there was this one bit when the when Tennant's doctor does some shit, and you're like, what? Like, where did he get that thing from? And what? And then at the end of his run with Matt Smith, mm -hmm. we saw the other end of that, those conversations. No way. Things. And it was just like, Oh shit! No that way. was from that. That's How cool. the fuck did he do that? It, was, it cool. wasn't like 
you know, an episode later. It was like, like a season, season later. later. Yeah, that's amazing. That's or actually amazing. Two seasons later that you got the payoff, and it was just like, fuck. He's that's left. So has, well he, has he now left? Someone else now, isn't it? Doing Doctor Who. Yeah, Moffat. Yeah. I think he wrote, I think he wrote one season with the, Scottish dude as a doctor. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot and then he, then he left. And I know a lot of people don't like the most recent ones. Um, with the yeah, they're, they're not too happy with the most recent ones, from what I, I've heard. I did like the thing with the the Scottish dude that took over. I say mm-hmm. so. I, I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah, neither can I. And he's a famous actor, and he, he's very good. Like he was in the thick of it, and every, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really enjoyed it. Paddington as well, yeah. He's in yeah. As well, yeah. But I can't right think answer. of who the hell it is. Oh. But um, it was just the way that because they went from these overarching stories to kind of one and done stories. Oh, I see. And yeah. I was a bit like, eh, I prefer a, a long, more long layered thing. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's what yeah. didn't work for me. And oh, okay. I don't like the thing. Like I know people hate of the female Doctor Who. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I think it was funny. I saw yesterday there's an MP um, and his name Neil Fletcher and he, he was in Parliament and he was just like, the female Doctor Who is taking away male role models. No <laughs> way. Like, what? Like, Son, what? what the fuck? What? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And he was just it's like, ridiculous. the only role models men have nowadays is um, the craze and Shelby from Peaky Blinders. I'm like, the craze. Have you got a limited <laughs> TV situation? Because there's a lot of shit on TV. There's a lot of shit on TV. <laughs> and oh my I God. don't remember a TV show with oh the craze in any time no, recently. No, no, no. And if Shelby's your role model, you've got a problem. Yeah, <laughs> you got a problem. Exactly. You got a huge problem. There's a lot of I think I think the whole thing with the Doctor Who thing, I think actually in general with a lot of nar- uh, narrative media at the minute is obviously a lot of female directors and writers and lead uh, lead lead characters are coming into play and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Mm. Uh, my problem is when they especially with superheroes, maybe not so much superheroes, when they start retconning um, yes, characters and yeah. changing them like Black Superman. I don't need Black Superman. Just yeah. give me another Black Marvel character. Um, Boom! That's that, a, that's that a works bit. for me. That's yeah. a bit. That's, that's what. See, this is what I've always said. Right? I don't want a Black Doctor Who. I don't want a Black James no. Bond. I Same want a here. black original character. Absolutely. Give me something fucking new. Absolutely. Don't regurgitate. No. I don't want a black Robin Hood. No, no, not Give at all. Give me something new. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just, it's really, like I saw, I didn't see, I saw an advert for uh, Anne Boleyn and she's black now. I'm like, why yes. is she black? And yeah. even like um, that that uh, period drama, um, Bridgerton, for me, I know a lot of people may think differently, but I find it quite problematic because mm. if I ever do have kids and they're watching Bridgerton, they're going to be like, oh, there used to be black people who were affluent back in the day, yeah. back in the UK. No, there yeah. wasn't. There wasn't. We were whipped and we were made yes. to work. Stop trying to change history to fit something. Make something new. Use those actors and make something new and create yes. opportunities from there that way. Don't 
like, don't I don't need Black James Bond. Like I don't want Black James Bond. Yeah. Give me something new. Um, yeah, yeah, because I kind of feel, and it's like we're taking all the the language out of you know old books and mm, deleting things from films. Absolutely, and yeah. It's, it's weird. like you're trying to pretend then that there was never an issue. Absolutely, right? Because if someone picks up Huckleberry Finn, it'd be like everyone said the Deep South was very racist. Mm. Oh, this book reads so well. Perfect, like, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's like it's like it's, it's doing it's, it's, they, they it's, rewrite roots and everyone's a part of the chair on you. It's problematic. They, they all had shares. Come on, they were trying to overthrow the ball. Oh my god, that's that's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird because it's like. It's almost saying, okay, we're going to fix the problem of racism by changing the past so there was affluent black people and racism didn't exist, so everything's cool now. Yeah. It's not. Everything's, <laughs> everything's not cool. Racism did exist. You need to show that. Stop trying to get rid of it. It did happen. There was slavery. It did happen. Show it. Don't give me a black James Bond. If you saw, can do something else. He doesn't need to be black James Bond. And uh, I don't want to see black Superman either. I'm not interested. Give me a yeah. new character. So, yeah. Um, and then the guy who says that there's no male role models, he has no idea what he's talking about. I mean, I'd like to think your father would be a role model. And if he's not around, then if you're looking for Shelby or the craze, then you, like I said, you're going to have a lot of problems in life. Yeah. That, that's the thing. It's like Charles Barkley said, right? Your sports people, actors, they should models. be role models. They're not role models. Your They're parents absolutely be role models. Absolutely. Teachers should absolutely. be the role models. Exactly. So I wouldn't blame, is it Jodie Whittaker? I wouldn't blame her for being female Doctor Who and removing um, the power of the male um, role models. Like that, that's, that's, that's nonsense. There's no... Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's no, well, there's the, no well the thing no. with the doctor is he's supposedly been around for millennia, mm. right? He, he's traveled the galaxy. Mm -hmm. So to say that he would always be a white guy seems very odd, just in that context of the Because he's not even human. So why would he be like, oh, I want to be uh, <laughs> a, a, a Caucasian guy? Yeah. That, that feels like I've seen the world. I've seen the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Yeah, it's it's so dumb. I mean, yeah, I yeah, I, I'm not. I've, I used to watch Doctor Who when it was Sylvester McCoy. Yeah, oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I've not really on a Sunday. <laughs> I've not really kept up with it since then. So. Um, yeah, I don't really, but that story you told me about the Stephen Muffet story sounds amazing. I love the payoff being a season afterwards. That's yeah, so confident. I, that 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 was the best. That was because yeah, I only, only I I tried to I've tried to kind of dip in over the years, and I never really liked it. But mm. when I heard Muffet was writing, I was just a bit like, oh, interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll take a look, and I. And I <laughs> Like it started off with an episode which I was like, I don't know. But then as it went on, and then that first episode just laid so much foundation and there were so many throwbacks to it. You're like, so fucking clever. It's brilliant. It's <laughs> I brilliant. wish I could write like that. <laughs> I'm sure you can. 
I'm, I'm sure you can. I mean, to I, I like I said to you um, just a, just a bit ago. I used to write really formulatically, so it'd be middle, beginning, and end, and connect the dots. And just in the past two years or so, I've started going more organically. So, be, becoming a, a good writer just takes loads of practice. It really does. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was I was in the gym the other day, and I just thought the of the end of the first season of a TV thing I'm trying to write. Nice. And I've got I've I've had I've got the beginning mm. and I've got the very end. Mm. How like how I mean like oh yeah, it'd be funny if I end it like that. That's all you need. And there's points in it which I'm mean, like oh yeah, that would be fun to touch on. Yeah. But yeah. it's just um, yeah, my computer situation this year has just been crazy. It's <laughs> so just really hampered any sort of writing. Progress, yeah. But I will finish it. Definitely finish it. I mean, I would say if you start something, most things, try and finish it. So Yeah, no, you know, for sure. Seems like you've got an, end, an ending, so you should definitely have a, a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's something I definitely will, uh, will do. Like, uh, with your ending, you, you mm-hmm. said that you, there was an idea for a different one. Yes, yeah. But when did you, dis- at what point of the production did you think, mm-hmm. let me change the ending? It was actually just before. Um, so the film is actually influenced quite quite hugely by um, the, the events of last year with George Floyd. And um, there was a lot of anger in the world, a lot of... Uh, a lot of reflection and self-reflection. And at that moment in time, I was definitely, I've always been angry at racist and racism, but last year it was like, it came to the fore. So yeah. the idea was always that he, that that something was gonna happen um, that would have been quite violent and would have been full of anger. But then as I started to get towards the actual first day of shooting, I was like, actually, no, this is better because this thing that happens works better. I'm trying not to give away the ending, but it works better for for the mood I was in in that moment. I was over the anger and it was more, yeah. how do we solve this problem? How do we create a conversation? And I feel that ending creates more of a conversation, whereas the other ending I had where it was a bit more violent um, and a bit more vengeful would have been less of a conversation, more of a statement. Mm-hmm. And... For me, I'm trying to create conversations and statements with no answers in the film because that's what I like to do. Like putting, like I said, I like chaos and stuff like that. I just put in topics in the box and then you guys go away and talk about the topics. So I feel like the ending that I had in mind would have been me making a statement, which is something I didn't want to do. I really did like the end. Thank the you. way it ended was because I there's a moment where I'm like, was I right about what? And, yeah, but then yeah. something else happened. Yeah, something which else I'm happened. just like, well, I'm glad that happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that happened to me. The, you. Know, the crows did come home to roost, motherfucker. Right? Car- the Karens came home to roost. <laughs> <laughs> but then when you fade to black, it's just mm. like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. Like, oh, did what happened before or did something else? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I love that. I love that ambiguity. Mm. That, like, 
how did it actually play out? That that Absolutely. was just like, okay, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, did the fucking thimble stop? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <What> exactly. <happened? laughs> Why did you cut the scene just there? Keep the thimble going. <laughs> yeah, if, if I turn it and hold it to the light, will I see? <laughs> oh god, it's so it's so true. Especially the thimble. The thimble is the one that always gets me. That mm. thimble spinning. Oh my god, I swear it went down. It did go down. <laughs> it's real it's not a dream it's real <laughs> oh man yeah 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 hope it is yeah that, yeah that was the thing i'd be like can't be a dream it can't be a dream no it can't be a dream no, he hugged his you saw him he's hugged his children the thimble fell i'm happy dicaprio got to it's fine everything's okay <laughs> oh man but yeah, no, I, I love the end. And just the performances on a whole, really good. Because I think there is, you know, just the way everyone interacts, right? And there's a sarcasm and all of this, but there's sarcasm badly done and the sarcasm <laughs> well done, mm. right? Because it needs to feel real to someone. Mm -hmm. right it can't just feel like words being said yeah these need to feel like real interactions and it really did so it is like man how did that casting go right how mm. did you fall upon all of these great people to be in this yeah that was for me the casting so for me 50 percent of your film is your script and then i would say 30 percent is your casting huge percentage because I obviously have these characters in mind and these actors need to fit the characters but at the same time I can't be too, too kind of stringent on my idea of what the character is because the next time they come in and blow my mind away so the casting process for the two leads was really long really extensive um so Julian who plays uh, our unnamed protagonist um he had to audition a few times for me. He was not because he wasn't a good enough actor, but because I just I just didn't, you know, I just, it's such a key character that I just needed to be perfect. Yeah. And then I think in his last audition, he just he just he won it on that one. He just completely stilled the show. Um, and with Ellie Byman, who plays the girl, she I actually she came in late for audition, so I actually found someone. Someone came in. The first girl that came in was amazing. I was like, she's got it. Doesn't matter who else comes in today. She's got it. She, this girl's got it. Oh, and shit. then Ellie came in late for her audition. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll see you, whatever. And she sat down and she was great. She was great. But I still wasn't too certain. So I gave her another uh, another audition and she, she killed it. She absolutely killed it. And she was perfect. She just gave a lot of layers to the character that needed to be there. Otherwise, mm. it would have been quite a 2D character. And I feel like that character is so key. To me, she's almost the protagonist of the story. I know she's meant to be an antagonist, but she's almost like a supervillain. And I think mm. I referenced that as well. She's almost like the supervillain that you, you need. She's Thanos. She's the Thanos of the film. She, is, she, she has a story that if you follow her story, you care about her enough, you will also feel a lot more passionately about the film. It's not just a case of she's a bad person or a good person. She has 
you know, she has a multi-dimensional side to her. Yes. Um, so I needed an actress who could really portray that. And I, I just feel like you, you referenced it just now with dialogue and the sarcasm and stuff. And all the actors, they fit the voice of the script. They all fit the voice of the script. And they did that by doing the auditions. And then with Nath, I worked with him in my first short, uh, my first feature film, Six Rounds. He played the lead role. And he's an incredible actor. Incredible. He's currently doing Dream Girls on stage at the minute. And he's won uh -huh. Olivia before. Um, so he's yeah, incredible actor. Adam, Adam J. Bernard, just mm. amazing. He's like my Robert De Niro. He's he, if, if I can, I'll be in most of my films. Right. So the casting process is always the hardest. Um, it's even for me, it's even harder than writing the script because if you get that wrong, your film will be terrible. Mm. It'll be absolutely terrible. So yeah. Yeah, it's very, there's definitely those things that you watch and you'd be like, some of those, some of the casts are great. Some mm. of them really let it down. Yeah, yeah. And that's always a shame, man. Absolutely. Like you said, it takes you out of the film. And the minute you come out of a film, you're not getting back into it. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's one thing that takes you out of a film. If you come out of it, you're, you're done. Like you're straight yeah. out of the film. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the thing. And then on set or like probably not on set, but like rehearsals and things mm. like that. Mm. How do you get across all the emotional kind of traits of the character? Mm. Is it written within the script? Do you sit down with someone? Do you like put together a playlist and be like, yo, this will, this will kind of mm. tell you what this character is like. This will put mm. you in that mood mm. to do this kind of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh what's that kind of process? I did give each character, each, each actor a bit of a backstory about the character, but on set beforehand, I've always rehearsed. I've always rehearsed for a month beforehand. So we had like three, uh, three rehearsal sessions before we get on set, just so I can fine tune them. And just so that they live in the character for the next mm. month, they live in the character. So all the decisions they're making feel like their own decisions as actors. So that's very key for me. And then when you get on set, I just like to have that energy. I like to have a very kind of non-dictatorship um, set as well. So everyone's happy, everyone's having a good time. And then when you when, when we call action, the actors feel like they're in a safe space and they can go places with their characters. So to get there is just organic again. It's very organic. It's very much a case of letting them do their thing. I try not to tell them what specifically to do in a certain moment. It's in the script, you've read the script, we've done rehearsals, when you get on set, give me the magic. Um, and there's, when we were stuck in that one room, we did that over a course of seven days with Ellie and Julian, two lead actors. And they were always like, oh, how was the take? How was the take? How was the take? And I would be like, seven, it's six, it's a seven, it's a six. And they'd be like, don't you give out tens? And I'm like, no, not really, not really, I don't give out tens. And then they, they had this, there's one scene in the film where they're face to face in a massive confrontation, they're shouting at each other. Oh, and gosh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah. that always just brings the hair up on my arms. It's, it's such an, a passionate and powerful scene. And that yeah, for me is a don't know where the fuck that's going. Yeah, like, yes. that's great. I know that's the thing. I was like, <gasps> is it like what? Has, yeah, has and then it's just like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Right, exactly. It's all, done, it's all done in one take, and we we did it, and you know the cameraman's there, and the sound person's there, and stuff. And I'm like, wow, that you everyone 
the, the, the crew, the actors all gave me 10 out of 10s in that one take. It was just incredible. So, yeah, just try and create a safe space where actors can... It's, to me, when you get on set, that's a stage. That is a stage. And I they can craft whatever they want. They can go wherever they want in that stage. And I make sure that us as crew and me as a director, I try and follow their direction at that point. I will give my input if they're going off the, you know, going off the rails and not quite mm. giving me what I want. But in the most part, every actor typically will give you what you want as long as they know what they're going, what you're going for in the first instance. Awesome. Yeah. No, it it really did work. I really Thank you. in. So there's a few films that have kind of been in a, a single location, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I, I I think of Buried. There was Oxygen last year. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that French film. Yeah. Yeah. Which very good. Yeah. Like, there, there's bits of it, and you're like, eh, but on a whole, re they 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 kept you gripped. Active. Yeah. yeah. You mm. you're gripped throughout. And mm. then recently I, I remember seeing the guilty. Um Oh yes, make of a, a yes. Scandinavian Norwegian I've seen yes, yeah, Danish film. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen the Danish, Danish version. Yes. Yeah, and although we kind of see a few other people floating around on that, but it's pretty much in one location. Mm -hmm. And again, you, you're just gripped all the way through. And I will mm -hmm. say, like, yeah, yours, you are gripped all the way through. You yeah. are, really are, and even. We do have the flashbacks, mm -hmm. but in those other films, there's also flashbacks and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But just those sequences in the in the bank in the room, just really compelling. With like having the character pace at certain times and the movement around the room, the body mm -hmm. language. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just the yeah. the inflections, the mm -hmm. the rate. You know what I mean? Those those. Uh, what do you call it on the um? Is it on a shoe hair? It's not on a shoe. Oh, hair. um, you know, when you flip, <laughs> then you're like, huh? No, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, 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 whatever that phrase is, insert it here, people. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> right there, <laughs> it was just all of those moments in just that little space just mm. kept you so, and then the, the, the telephone call with the uh, I mean, that's, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, someone needs a new job. <laughs> <laughs> Customer service team, everyone. Bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I love. It. <laughs> That's one of my favorite characters because he's he's he should not be doing that job. <laughs> he should no. not be doing that job <laughs> at all. That's not the job for him. That's not the job for him. And, it, it's yeah. like you know when you you call up somewhere and they go, um, <laughs> "There's that always that message." Be like, "Your phone call may be recorded." Yeah, record. this is for you know quality <laughs> assessment and things like that. You'd be like, if this is one of those conversations that they choose to review, woo. <laughs> Someone's getting sacked. Someone's getting sacked. Yeah. 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 I <laughs> I think that character is very much people are gonna be either like, oh, that's that's interesting, or they're gonna be like, that's not how a hostage negotiator would behave. But that's kind of the point. So, obviously, that's not how a hostage negotiator would behave. 
he's having a very bad time in life. Well, and, yeah, but that but that's how I looked at it, right? Because I'm just like, there's how you are meant to behave, and then there's situations where you're just like, what the fuck are we doing? Here? Come on, man. <laughs> We both know how to fucking. It's just like I worked at a cinema, right? Uh-huh. And when people would talk, and you just mm-hmm. you were meant to go in and give people like, oh, could you keep it down? Someone has complained, and I'm just like, and for the first, you know, for the first week or so, when you're trying to be on your brush, I hurry. Excuse me, can you give it? But then I got a little comfy. Got a little comfy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Way too early, and it was yep. just like, oi, get out. It's like, oh, no nice. It's just like, nah, you're God, man. You know how to act. Is you that know how you to fucking act in the cinema. Go. I like you're that. Your manager. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Here's my name. <laughs> Here's my name. But <laughs> 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 it's just like sometimes oh, you That's just brilliant. be like, I don't really care what the rule book says, right? Mm. This guy's irritating me. And I am going to show them no respect. And so that's what I kind of took from that. Where then you notice the shift. When certain information is learned, Mm -hmm. there is a shift in tone and whatnot. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's very much like that. It's like, like you said, first 10 minutes, he's cocky. He knows he's got him by the balls. He's like, Mm. I can do what I want. I can say what I want. I got this. I've got the upper hand. I'm on the higher ground. I'm going to win this. And then, like you said, when information is given to him, he's like, oh, shit. Okay. Maybe I need to calm down a little bit here. (laughs) Maybe I'm not going to win this one. I might have to negotiate. I might have to do my job. What do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Because I've got it. Whatever you need, I've got it. Yeah. So it's very much like, okay, I got you. I'm going to win this fight. I'm great. And then it's like the flip. Like, maybe you don't have you. Um, but I wanted them to be, I just felt like if it was just, because I've not, I've seen The Guilty, which the Danish version, and I oh, found okay. it a bit bland and I know people love it, but I just wanted this negotiator to be, because I've seen everything. I've seen all the costume negotiator in every film. I've never mm. seen one like this who yes. has complete reckless regard for his job and could at any time get the hostage shot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> And, and no, there's also, you know, that's a bit like when you think about last year, right? Mm. When you think about 2020 and everything yeah. went there, people didn't do what they were meant to do in their job. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. We've seen, it's like, it's not like we haven't seen people fuck up and go maverick and do things they were not meant to do. Yeah. So yeah. it mm. makes sense. Absolutely. You know I mean? Absolutely. And, and I think that that that's the great thing about the film. Like in every situation, you'd be like, Yeah, well, I'll get it. <laughs> right. Great. Like, I don't know if I'd want to do that heist, <laughs> but I get it. Yeah, you know I, get I, mean? it. I get it. Like, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually from a Chris Rock joke, isn't it? It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh god, I forgot what he was talking about. He's talking about um, OJ. He's talking about OJ. That's what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we we don't need to talk. <laughs> we won't do the joke, but yeah. <laughs> oh shit! Oh man! Ah, uh, Marcus, this has been 
such a great conversation. I Likewise. really appreciate you Likewise. giving me so much of your time. No problem. Um, I, I, I think, um, you know, I probably should let you go. But <laughs> like, I mean, is, like, is there anything we haven't touched on? Like the, about um, the film and just, you know, like, all right, let me ask you this, right? Yeah. Was there anything that, other than you decided to change the end, was there anything else that drastically changed in the process of making the film? In, in looking at a scene and being like, actually, I think it would work better with like this or, you know, yeah. anything like that. Yeah, there is. There's a scene in the bar with the dancing girl. Um, uh, I'm not going to give away... There's two things that should have been different. I'm not gonna give away the first one because that'll ruin it a bit. But the second one was uh, Nath shoots someone. That was actually meant to be the lead character was gonna shoot someone. And then uh, it's actually in the script and then Julian, the lead actor, he was reading through it. He's like, oh, wow, that's 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 big. Like that's that he was, what he said to me made perfect sense. And actually the DOP said the same thing as well, who I've worked with quite a few times. They say they said that the action that he took in the bar at that moment, the lead character would have taken us out of the film because it would have because we, we're, we're watching the whole film. We're thinking, is he going to shoot the hostage? Yes. Is he going to? Yeah. And if in that moment in the bar, if he shot that person, then it almost the tension almost is gone because he's he's done something so, so unspeakable that it would have been... There's no doubt on what he yeah, might Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I changed that. So that was, I'm glad that they spoke to me about that because sometimes as a director, as a writer, you're not, you don't know everything. As a human, you don't know everything. Sometimes you need mm. to get some feedback and I'm glad that they mentioned that because I, I do feel that definitely enhances the journey. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah no, that's yeah. interesting. Oh. And... um. So yeah, the, the film drops on Monday. Just on Monday, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, well, I like what is the feeling on that actually? Mm. Because you know, in in normal times, you know, mm. things would go cinema mm -hmm. and everything like that, mm -hmm. but it's everything's a little skewed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Big films maybe not do as well as absolutely. everyone anticipated. Absolutely. Which does baffle me a little because I do mm. kind of think we know what the situation is. So why did you have the anticipation <laughs> that it would be like this? Shouldn't you have just pared down the anticipation and thought not everyone's mm -hmm. going to come out? So mm -hmm. we think we'll probably make this rather exactly. than oh, we'll definitely make that. No, I mean, no, like, you're it's right. a weird thinking to yeah. me. No, you aren't. You're not making right? that. Yeah. But um, yeah, like. How is it fit? because you know film festivals, all of that kind of stuff has mm. mainly been online. online. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of your conversations around a film mm. and screenings and all of that have been online. online. So yeah. mm. you've, you've you know you've had your films in the past, so you mm. know what it would have been like. Mm -hmm. So how's mm -hmm. it how's it feel right now? Oh, good question. Um, I. I'm not sure. I mean, it feels it feels kind of positive. And the reason why is because next week, especially in the US, there's no other films coming out. Um, oh, and yeah, my film releases on the 30th in the US and there's no other films slated to come out on that day, um, nice. which might be to our advantage. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling kind of positive. 
I guess my key thing is the reaction to the film. I think obviously I want to go make another film. So it'd be good to it'd be good to have a, a nice positive reaction to the film. And I guess you never know how the reaction is going to be, you know, because you may have made something that you really like and then the, the, the general consensus may be not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm feeling I'm feeling positive. I think you should always be positive in life. I think a lot of people try and uh, try and not be positive so they're not disappointed. Um, but I prefer to be positive and I'm hoping the film does well. I'm hoping that people see it and they really like it and um, they want to see more of my stuff in the future. Mm. Well, yeah, no, I, I think your film has definitely got its own voice. Thank it you. doesn't feel like it's a, a copy of anything you know what I mean that you're 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 biting anyone's style like mm. I, I think you you know it speaks to itself and you're you're there for the whole journey you really are there for the whole journey you, you you're gripped on everything that's gonna go down and wondering is he or isn't he right it, it yeah it's like friends Ross and Rachel, it's just like That's the thing. <laughs> That's the best comparison so far. It's just like friends. <laughs> if you like friends, you'll you love them. <laughs> exactly. That's the, that is actually the line I'm going to use from now on. It's, it's, if you like friends, you'll love blonde purple. That's, that's brilliant. Oh god. Oh, oh shit. Oh man. All right, um, all right. So, how can people follow you, man? How can sure. People so you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I think it's just Marcus Flemings. You can follow me on Instagram. It's Marcus Flemings. My name's there. There's two S's at the end though on Instagram. Um, you can follow the film at Blonde Purple Movie on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, I guess I guess I'll see you on social media if you do follow me. Cool. I'm glad you did do a page for the film, but sometimes people don't have, and I kind of think, why? Like you mean? <laughs> it gives people a place to go to go and, and yeah. follow, and it gives you a place to put up. You know, like behind the scenes stuff, mm-hmm. trailers, and just mm-hmm. news, yes. right? So it's just yes. like, yeah, it's a good thing. When people don't do that, I'm just like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's a wasted opportunity. It's yeah. like, it takes, it literally takes, nowadays, it takes two minutes to create mm. a page. And then post, con- posting content's easy, it takes two yeah. seconds. So why wouldn't you do that? I mean, it's, it's your biggest tool, this, especially with independent films, when you're trying to push your film out there, like social media is everything's king. No, for real, for real. But uh, yeah, no, we'll put all the links in the episode information. Lovely. And um, is there anything on the bubble? Right? Yeah, anything that's percolating for the next hearing? Marcus Lee. Yeah, point? maybe. The, yeah, I'm writing a new script. It's a sci fi film. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. It's very, form- it's, it is very formulatic and it's very. Um, very action based, so it's quite it's quite different to this. So yeah, I'll okay. see. Um, we'll see what happens with that, and then okay. hopefully next year, potentially going to be shooting another project. But we'll we'll see what happens. I'm um, I'm excited for the future. I want to see how this does, and then uh, brush my shoulders off or 
you know, pick myself back up, whatever I need to do. And hey, I, I, I think you're going to be big pimping if, if, we're, if, we're, if, we're, if we're doing the Jay-Z Kobe's markers. I think we're going to be big pimping. You know what I mean? <laughs> big pimping. Yeah. The blast from the past. And you read with the success, I think it might be girls, girls, girls. Girls, girls. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. I need to finish it off with one. What could I do? Oh, I can't think of one. I can't think of a JC song. <laughs> uh, return of the auto tune. <laughs> Work it in there somewhere. Uh, oh, shit, man. But no, it, this has been uh, a, a great conversation. I Likewise. Really and I, I can't wait to see what you have next. And hey, when the next project is, is done, I'm Come there. Let's do it. it. Let's do it. Absolutely. Come You've been great. Thank it. you so much. And yeah. good luck and, with and your stand-up. Thank you, man. I, I would also say, right, if you're if you're looking for an actor? a uh, enigmatic mm-hmm. you're in lead for the mm-hmm. sci-fi piece mm-hmm. that you're the has man. gravitas about them. Okay. You know I mean? Okay. Yeah. Should I go to should I, I go like, your agent or should you direct contact with yourself or agent? Which one shall I go with? Yeah, I think just hit me up. <laughs> just send up the bat signal, man, and I'll be there. <laughs> oh my god! I might, I might do a TV show about the craze to make that politician ah. happy. Yeah. <laughs> what? Are you looking at me wrong? <laughs> do you want a knuckle sandwich, man? <laughs> That's brilliant. You're, you're, uh, that's it. You're the one. You're the one. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. We don't need you no more. I love it. <laughs> oh, incredible. All right, people, go check out Blonde Purple. You you really will enjoy the ride. And um, yeah, follow Marcus, man, because he's definitely on the come up. So, uh, Marcus, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. You've been brilliant. Thank you so much. We will Have see a- you. See what you do soon. Well, I'm hoping you will do, yeah. Spade it back. Have a beautiful one. Take care. Welcome to the motherfucking greatest. Okay, people, so there you go. How great was that? Marcus killed it, people. If that doesn't make you want to go see the film, I don't know what. Right? But remember, Tuesday the 30th, go check it. All your favorite VODs. And hey, hit the information of the episode and go follow Marcus on all his links. Come out on Instagram. Do that. Because if you think this is great, just imagine what home is going to do next, right? So we got you people need to go and show Marcus some love and share it with your peoples, all right? So, uh, yeah. And as I said, look, Marcus is going to be big pimping once everyone gets to see this film, all right? So um, people, enjoy, all right? <laughs>